Hey leaders, thanks for listening to our podcast. So whether you've had a great year and you're looking forward to that momentum taking you into next year, or you haven't had a great year and you're not exactly sure why, mapping out your direction for next year is super important. And obviously we call that strategic planning. Sometimes though, asking yourself the questions to reflect on what happened last year and then what you want to do next year can be really hard. So we created an assessment at compassleadership.coach called the Momentum Map. So if you just go to our website and look for the Momentum map button, you can click on that and get started right away, clarifying where you were last year and what you want to do next year. It's super simple and super easy and gets you moving in the direction that you need to go with clarity. We'll even send you a personalized plan to help you next quarter. So check out compassleadership.coach or click on the link in the description. And now on with the show. Hello and welcome again to Real Construction Talk. I'm your host, Jeremy Yoder, brought to you by our our home company, which is a company that I run with a friend of mine, Derek Smith, and um, and that is compassleadership.coach. And we're so glad you're with us. And here today again, I have Bob Hassan. Bob, welcome. Thank you, Jeremy. Happy to be back with you. Great. And um, we talked a little bit about his company and running uh, a, a company in the trades and in the, in, the, uh, in the finishing trades and in painting and uh, how he created a, a, a stellar business. Bob, how, how many employees do you have now? Well, it depends on the time. It can it goes down to we have a base crew of about 50 that yeah. um, that. Uh, work 24-7, well, not 24-7, 365. <laughs> and then um, depending on our workload, we've been up to uh, just under a thousand. Wow. So, wow. <laughs> um, it, it can, it can really, it can really ramp up. Sure. And I'm sure it has to for those, those huge projects, SoFi Stadium and uh, things like that. Uh, you can't run it with 50 guys. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, super good. Well, today, Bob, I'd love to to talk to you a little bit about your book, um, the the business of honor. I I'll tell you, um, there are a few books, uh, a couple actually, a couple of these, but Lead for God's Sake, um, Start with Why, um, The Art of Motivational Listening, which is a friend of mine's book. Some books that have like really moved me uh, into action. And and you guys, this is one of those books. Um, so I would highly suggest if you're a leader, um, doesn't have to be in the trades. Um, but if you're listening to this as a business leader, um, the business of honor is something that will, will start you to really think and take a good reflection on yourself and where you're at. Um, it has for me. So thank you for writing this, Bob. <laughs> well, I, my friend, Danny Silk, uh, we co-wrote it together and, and he had written a book called uh, The Culture of Honor. And yeah. a lot of people said, hey, can you write a, a, a book about honor and business? And and he isn't a business guy. So he asked me, he actually tricked me because I'd never even <laughs> really, I'd never even really written a long email before. Um, That's so good. But the only thing I've written is a strategic plan. And um, it was something that was very new for me. And it took about 18 months to write. And it was it was quite the project. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's super, super good. Well, I, I if you don't mind, I'd love to just kind of talk a couple, about a couple of things that I found really impactful and I think would be impactful for our audience, too. And I love how you start off the book um, with a tale of two companies. 
and um, contrasting and comparing two different companies, both very impactful, huge companies, um, one bigger than the other one. And and so I'll just I'll, I'll spoiler this I'll spoil this a little bit um, between Guinness, an amazing beer company. And Enron, <laughs> which infamously know uh, kind of their uh, downfall. Um, but interesting, one one company is still going, but one company was bigger than the other one. Am I correct? Yeah, Enron's uh, leadership team—they uh, were they were uh, obsessed with being the biggest company market share wise in the world. And uh, they had all the right leader, all the right leaders, all the right mm. banners, all the right slogans, all the right everything. Uh, you, this is the place that people wanted to work. Uh, but what what people didn't know is behind the scenes that it was it was a shell company working with other shell companies, and it ended up being uh, the biggest bankruptcy in the history of the United States. Meanwhile. Um, Dating back to the 1200s, Guinness uh, was born, and and Guinness beer was born because in Ireland, in Europe, there was an actual pandemic, and um, the water wasn't safe to drink, mm. and so they had what's this is the funniest thing they had gin houses where people would go and drink gin, and Arthur Guinness, who was a brewer, decided. You know what? If I brew beer, um, it has less alcohol than gin. Number one, number two, it purifies the water. And so, yeah. um, he started this business um, by purifying water and employing people. And actually, it helped uh, the crisis in uh, get over in Ireland. Um, and I, when I used to speak about this, I would say, "Okay," to an audience. Think about this. I want you to think about a company that's provided health care, that's provided schools, that's provided housing, um, that's that's provided all these services for the employees. Who who is that company? And people would say, you know, Google, Facebook, Amazon. Right. I'd say, no, Guinness in the 1300s. <laughs> they were the first company to do that. And they became the awesome. biggest philanthropist in Ireland. And uh, the company eventually sold in the uh, mid 2000s. The, uh, the the Guinness family uh, uh, eventually sold it to a bigger company. But it is a tale of two companies. They actually did the right things. While wow. Enron just talked about doing the right things. The funny anecdotal end to this is um, Enron was in contract to do work for Guinness at the end before they were <laughs> bankrupt. Wow. So, um, I, I just, I just thought it was, there was just so much symmetry in between the two. But, so but, good. Yeah. And, and to me, the reason I wrote about it is who do you want to be? Do you want to yeah. be the one who talks about being a great company or the one who is a great company? Yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, we talk a little a lot about, you know, mission, vision, values, vision first, then mission, how are you going to carry that out in your values? So important to start that if you haven't really dove into those things. But underlying that is actually carrying it out and actually doing the things that you say you're going to do. Kind of like we talked about in our last podcast. And Guinness was the company that actually did it. 
Enron just talked about it, but didn't really carry it out. So, so interesting. How, how do you, as, as a, as a leader, you know, because we get busy, we get busy doing the things we get busy doing the sales and, and making sure the leadership team is together and, and putting out the fires, putting out the fires, putting out the fires, man, how do you keep it hot? How do you keep going back to it? How do you, as a leader, uh, give me some of the ways that you do that, Bob. Well, Jeremy, I know, you know, I, I've been on your website and I know your leadership website. You believe in uh, strategic planning and a vision, mission and values. And so I would encourage everybody listening or watching that take the time uh, to, to actually write a strategic plan. And it could take it to, could take as little as 80 hours and it could take as many as 300 hours if you do a, a full blown plan. But understand what your what your vision is, understand what your mission is and what your values are. And and then who are your demographics? What is your ROI? What is the actual uh, what is the actual demographic of what you're trying to go for in in your whatever your sub trade is, if you're in the trades, whatever your business is? The reason I'm such an advocate about this is it becomes, if you will, your de facto business Bible. And so what happens is as you're as you're as you're in the midst of putting out the fires of running your operations on a day to day basis, you get lost. And when you have a chance to come back and open your strategic plan and say, who are we? What is our vision? What is our mission? What are our values? Oh, yeah, that's who we are that will ground you and mm. the fires and all the problems that never stop. You'll at least be able to say, this is the reason we exist. This yeah. is why we're going to be a great company or we already are a great company. Right. These are our short, mid and long-term goals. And Oh, by the way, as I look at my short and midterm goals, we are on the way we're doing what we said we were going to do. Do we need a little bit of course correction? Well, I'm looking at my goals and yes, right now we're a little bit off. So we're going to course correct a little bit and we're going to adjust our goals based on the direction that business has actually taken us. Okay. So the strength of strategic planning, the strength of vision, mission values helps to center you when you're in the midst of a fire and you don't know which way to turn next because you go back <laughs> and say, this is what I said back there when I spent all those hours dreaming about where I want my company to go. And now you're actually doing it or yeah. you're course correcting because something new happened that you weren't aware of, or you didn't have the information on or something great happens. That sets a, a new sort of boy. I think we could go do that. I think we could go even further than what we thought. How awesome. So, so good. Uh, in your book, I remember Jeremy. One, one more. Yeah. One more. Just, I remember that uh, you know, I got with our senior leadership team, and I said, "I want to do wastewater treatment plants." <laughs> I don't know why I did, but I did. And everybody on the team said, "No, we don't want to do those. They're they're for all these different reasons." And I said, "Well, let's try a small one." So we did. We won a small job on a wastewater treatment facility. It was actually in Nevada. It was the worst job we ever did. We lost money. We, we, we had extra management. It was the biggest problem. And when we finally finished the job and sat down for our post-job, post-mortem, 
Mm-hmm. I said to my team, I promise we will never do a wastewater treatment facility again. And we didn't. Yeah. And so part of part of uh, the strategic planning process is understanding um, that the team will, will capitulate to what we're going to do. But as a leader, you listen to listen to the people that you have around you that are smarter than you. And when you make mistakes, like, okay. Thanks. We tried it and we're not going to do that again. <laughs> Which leads to this next, the next idea that I wanted to talk about honor. What does honor really mean? Um, you, you brought that leadership into your company. Mm-hmm. Uh, you brought them onto the bus and put them in the seats and mm-hmm. you gave them position and you to, uh, to put them in that position to, to then honor them in their decision-making and say, yeah, we'll try this, but if, but you guys are right. <laughs> yeah. um, that that is super super good. Um, and and here's what you said. You concluded that honor is about seeing what's valuable, wonderful, and miraculous in other people, and appreciating, uh, being aware of, loving, acknowledging, and otherwise responding to them in the way that they deserve. I that that boy that definition of honor was super clear for me. And I see that's what you did with those guys. Of course, you're like, hey, let's lean into it a little bit more. You pushed a little bit. Sure. That's what leaders do. <laughs> Yet you you conceded that this probably wasn't the best thing. <laughs> and honored your leaders in that. Yeah. In in my business, I've made more mistakes than anyone. I actually anywhere that I go, I've made more mistakes than anyone. I'm just, I'm just willing to talk about it, but how does honor play out in a construction business? Well, um, this is how it plays out. Uh, when we're around at the conference room table, when we're discussing issues, I feel like I have, uh, the same amount of say as everybody else in, in the business around the table. Now, uh, an owner saying, well, I'm the owner. Well, I am. My job as a relational leader is to host a conversation that hopefully will end up in a consensus. So we have this issue. We have this problem. I want a problem solved. And my goal isn't that one person will come with the uh, the problem, the, the solving of the problem, especially not me. It'll be the team who says, well, in the past, we've We've made these mistakes when we've had this problem. We think we should come this way to a point where we've come to a consensus. Do we all agree this is the this is the uh, this is the way we need to go to solve this problem? And when we have consensus, then we have buy-in. Then we have people with skin in the game, and then we have a, a leadership team that is uniform in the direction that they're going when we go out to the field and say, Hey, this is how we're going to do it. And and when I say that we also include our superintendents in and Mm -hmm. even some field people that might be, even they might be uh, uh, new in the company, but they have experience or some type of expertise. We want to hear from the people actually out in the field doing the work before we make a decision, because again, none of us are all that smart, but as a group, the wisdom of the crowd, if you will, helps make great decisions. And, and our goal is we don't want to lose money. So we're going to make a decision, hopefully that will keep everybody employed. We, if the company goes bankrupt, then everybody loses their job. Right. 
and nobody wins. <laughs> we all lose. Oh, bummer. But because of your core value of, of wanting to serve people, be excellent, and um, wanting to raise their standard of who they are and their, their living, <laughs> I think I heard you say, obviously, finances are a huge part of that. So if the company wins, then the people win too that are working with you. So good, man. So good. Um, when it comes to, you know, when I talked to John Stearns the other day, whose um, company is Construction Payroll. Um, he's the vice president of uh, Construction Payroll. And, you know, he said the first uh, in leadership, first, make sure somebody's following you. <laughs> first rule of leadership, look behind you and make sure people are actually following you. And by that, we talked a little bit about that. And, and the reason he said that was because, well, you can be in a leadership position, but people aren't actually following you. And you know that you're making a difference in people's lives when they're actually with you on certain things. What are some of the ways um, on your, in your company and, and as you wrote in, in your book that, that leaders can make sure that, that people are, are following them? Well, Jim Collins, who's a fantastic author who wrote the mm -hmm. book, Good to Great, he, he so talks good. about level five leaders. And mm -hmm. what he says is when, when level five leaders, when they have success, they look out the windows at everyone else and they give the success to everyone else on their team. Mm. When they, when they have a failure, level five leaders look in the mirror and they look at themselves. Yeah. So, and, and so I think that's one way uh, that you can mark yourself as a leader is if you're not blaming others. Uh, there's so much fear. Wow. There's a scripture I love that that says uh, love and fear can't coexist because fear has to do with punishment. Now, what does that have to do with business? Well, how many businesses do you know where there's a fear based culture? They're actually people are climbing over other people's backs. They're stealing other people's ideas. They're looking, you know, on their Slack or on their computer to see what they're thinking and trying and trying to undermine people. We do not want to have a culture uh, uh, in business based on fear. We want to have a culture based on honor. And when we're honoring each other, uh, we're celebrating, wow, this person had over here had a great idea and, that we've never done before, and we're going to implement it. And hopefully it's going to uh, make sense and help make us money. I think... I think some of these principles of, of, of looking out towards others within the company as being super valuable. When I hire people, like I'm not the smartest uh, tool in the shed, but the one thing that I'm good at is hiring people around me that are smarter than me. And then when you do that, you let them lead. You let them in their expertise have great ideas for the benefit of the company. Excellent. Excellent. So in the end, there's really a couple of choices as a leader you can make um, when it comes to how you're going to run things. And in and, and your book, you talk a lot about identity. Oh, so good. Who are you really? And, and, and what inside of you, uh, as, as you 
kind of look at your past and kind of what has made you who you are, be it nature or nurture, <laughs> um, you start to kind of recognize why you make decisions and how you make decisions. And your identity is such a huge part of that, depending on on how you grew up and honestly who your father was. And, and sometimes yeah. that determines a lot about how we make decisions and how we handle specific things. And is that out of love or is that out of fear? Is that out of care for somebody else or what I need to get my FaceTime or what I deserve out of things? Um, what are some, I mean, Bob, I, I think what, what happened as I was reading your book, I, I really started to go back to my, um, my background in the Amish Mennonite culture and recognize a few things. I'll just say this and then I'll ask you a question um, in the Amish Mennonite culture. And if you guys have, if, if you haven't heard the podcast yet where I give my story, you may want to go back to that one or, or go look for it after this. Because in the Mennonite culture, in the Amish culture, you don't really praise people because that leads to pride. And when there's a problem with somebody, you kind of sweep it under the rug. You can talk to everybody else about it, but you kind of sweep it under the rug. And it becomes this, uh, it becomes a problem over time until something actually blows up. And then when it blows up, it's just horrible and everybody doesn't want to talk. Um, so I found myself in that identity of that's who I am. That's who my parents were. And that's who I was. Mm -hmm. um, but to break out of that, I found freedom. How, and I found freedom by understanding scripture. <laughs> and I found freedom in understanding my heritage wasn't all bad. There was some really good things about, about God and who he was, which made me who, who I am. And so, I, and that's one thing I just really appreciate, appreciate about your book is that you didn't beat around the bush with that. <laughs> you just went right to the fact that, man, if, if you don't find your identity in a, in a higher power and in, in God, we would say like, man, it, you're going to probably fill that gap with a lot of other things. Am I right, Bob? <laughs> yeah. And I did, you know, I had an, an angry, abusive dad and I grew up with shame as my counselor and mm -hmm. Shame, uh, the either either shame drove me or I drove myself towards alcohol to get myself out of feeling ashamed. Um, I know now in my in my mid 60s that um, I am a loved son of God and that is my identity. So no matter whether I end up in jail or I end up a billionaire, the 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 bar is set for me that I'm a loved son of God. And, mm -hmm. and, and I think that's where identity needs to start. And if you've had a hard childhood, um, it, it really, really does. And all, a lot of us have, I, I know your story, it not being praised is a hard, uh, is, is, a, is a hard way to grow up. But in my life now, in my company, in my teams, I'm going around like, am I a CEO? Yes. But, but I look at myself as the head cheerleader. Like mm -hmm. I'm telling people at a boy, good job. Way to go, girl. I can't believe you made that decision. I'm so proud of you. I mean, these are the things that I'm doing. Um, I'm praising people for all the good things that are happening. And what does it hurt? Does it do you think people are going to get prideful? I mean, you grew up that way and, <laughs> and it, it's just not true. 
It's uh, uh, it had the opposite effect, actually. <laughs> it made me more prideful and try to get that approval from other people and other things. And I had to go down this really hard trail in my life to find that approval. Exactly. And so as a leader, giving people praise, giving them attaboys for a job well done, giving them bonuses and raises. These are things that really, really I, I get excited about because watching people blossom uh, in, in, within your company is, is amazing because all it's going to do is make your company stronger, is make you more profitable. And I think, you know, but having your identity, just being it able having your identity be able to come out in this type of a way is amazing. And if you really are uh, excited about being a leader, then try telling people how amazing they are. Try calling out the gold in them. Try finding, rather than finding the things that they did wrong, try finding the things that they did right. You will, you will, won't believe how people will, will flourish in your company and under your leadership. So good. And try just saying, hey, I'm not, I'm not sure who I am. You know, God, would you show me who I am? Just try it and see what happens. <laughs> I'm putting that, I'm putting that out there to everybody listening to this. You just I mean, it's, it's really good, Jeremy, because you've tried that and you know who you are. Totally. Tried that and I know who I am. And, yeah. and having the confidence in yourself having people walk around with this lack of self-confidence and, and having the confidence in yourself to know that you are a loved son or daughter is amazing. And, and it will be the foundation of you being able to build a, a massive company. If that's what's in your heart. Totally awesome, man. Cause you, you may have been made for that. <laughs> There's purpose. It's real. It's the thing. So if we're created and the Bible says we're created in our, our creator's image, then there's some dreams that he's given us and he's, and he's put in our lives to go do. So when you get your identity, right, you recognize it, man, things are good and he's for you, not against you. And, and he'll show you the re the next step to make. So if you're questioning that man would love to talk to you and I'm sure you can find Bob, Bob, where are the best places to find you online? Well, uh, Instagram, uh, um, I'm at Bob Hassan and, and then I have Bob and the best place to buy my books. I've written three of them are on Amazon. Awesome. Perfect. Um, please check out um, this amazing book, The Business of Honor. Uh, I would recommend it highly. I recommend you going and checking Bob out too on his socials uh, and uh, bobhassan.com. Thank you so much for spending time uh, the last couple podcasts with me, Bob. Jeremy, this has been so fun. Thank you. And I'm so glad Compass Leadership is doing everything it's doing. Thank you so much. Appreciate you guys for being here. I know this went a little bit longer, but uh, we had to get all that in. <laughs> and uh, thanks, guys, for for uh, for being a part of our podcast. Please go like and subscribe if you would and um, let people know what we're doing here in the construction arena. Appreciate you all and have a great one. See you later.